welcome back. It's been a year. Actually, it's so funny <laughs> is I just welcome to episode 106 of the Motorific podcast. I don't know if we call it 106, but I was just looking at the Facebook and October 22nd. That was when we posted our announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So about, yeah, about a year. So we thought we'd come back and deliver something. I think, I don't know, I forgot what kind of brought this on. I think it was somebody on Twitter or something like that. I can't remember. Right? Wasn't it Twitter? It's always Twitter's fault. Something like that. Yeah. Twitter. Also because it's nice to catch up. It's been so long. Maybe we yeah. catch up once a month. Huh? Maybe. Maybe. Although, I don't know. As long as one giant cup of coffee happens first, I think it's a lot better. <laughs> Life is better with coffee if you're it a coffee is. drinker. Although my schedule, I probably shouldn't say that because my schedule is getting insane. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, so we you doing, would come back. Are you doing more than five days a week now, or is that looking to be that way? Well, so the Riverside store in Philadelphia is now seven days a week open. I don't work seven days a week. That would be insanity. I work five days. I'm working five day five days. My my weekends are Tuesday and Wednesday, so that's why I'm off today and tomorrow. Happy weekend. <laughs> but in like a few weeks, it'll stabilize, and then I'll my new schedule. I think. I'll either go back to Tuesday to Saturday, or I might do Sunday to Thursday. Well, it's it's update you later. It's good that you're it's good that you're open on Sundays because, unlike the race community, ah, my weekend is Saturday and Sunday, so that's the days I go shopping. Yeah, and people are coming on Sundays, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, people are coming. I mean, it is winter though, so uh, you know, it's not like May. But I think, gosh, come May, it's going to be insanity, I think, sure. on Sunday. It's just going to be craziness. So hopefully by then well, we'll have more help. It becomes a ride destination. Oh, yeah, I hope. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, that's what we're worried about. On the other hand, that's what we're hoping <laughs> for. But stores open. If you're in Philadelphia, anywhere near Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C., PA, New Jersey, come see us. We're open. Every day now, and you can buy whatever you want within reason that's in the store. Sure. <laughs> you still carrying the higher end stuff in the store? Oh, yeah. I mean, product, our product is still the good stuff. It's still, mm-hmm. well, excuse me, it's, you know. It's, it's all good when it comes from <laughs> Revzil. Well, there are questionable items that are sold online that we do not carry in store, but yeah, all of our, you know, big brands are there and I have actually, I've been able to expand my women's selection a little bit. I've got more boots than I did before. And I have just a couple more things on my wall. Um, yeah, so it's, it's good. Like during peak season, there's a lot of stuff and I do what I can for my fellow ladies. Do you carry uh, the the boots that I have, the CD Adventure, well, probably the Gore-Tex 2 now, but uh, do you carry those men's boots in the super small size? I think we carry the full-size run of that particular boot because it's so popular, and yes, so... Because because Christy has sold like 100 pairs on her own just by letting people stick their foot in my boot? Hey, CD, (laughs) are you listening? So, yes, because... As we, some people may not know, there's only one, quote, adventure boot for women, and Forma makes one, but really that kind of boot, when you look at mm-hmm. it, is really more adventure touring, not full adventure sure. like you do. Don't it's, step off the dirt. It's like, um, i say it's more of a dabble in the dirt boot, not sure. a solid, really hardcore dual sport adventure boot. 
And let's be straight. Let's be straight. I uh, I could probably get away with wearing the former because I do stay on the road more often than I am in the dirt. But I just plan accordingly. And years ago, years ago, when I went to India um, on a motorcycle, I, I did go to Joanne and I said, hey, I kind of need to upgrade my boots and I could be on virtually anything. So what boot can I can I drop a motorcycle on my foot and still walk away from? And that was one of the recommendations. And when I tried to figure out whether or not it would fit me, because this is a men's boot we're talking about, it was virtually impossible locally to find someone, a store that had the 39, which I think is what the smallest it goes to, Mm -hmm. uh, a 39 in stock, because they told me, look, if we import a 39 for you to try, you have to buy it we won't be able to sell it and we can't send it back. So that became an issue where I couldn't find anything to try. And I went to, uh, I went to the distributor and they were nice enough to be able to let me go to the, uh, warehouse where I tried on a 39 and a 40 and believe it or not, I liked the 40 better. So the 39 was still big, but for some reason the 40 seemed to work a little better. I threw in some gel insoles and I have probably had like, seriously, over the years, a hundred women ask me, who makes that boot? And how do you fit in it? And da da da. And I just kind of take the boot off and go, there you go. Stick your foot in it. See what it's like. It's giant. It still makes noise. The the second version of it, I think they scaled back on the squeakiness. But I, bit, yeah. I can't find a, a better, more protective boot. And sure, I might be overprotecting myself, but come on. I mean, my feet. <laughs> I need those things to walk for work, uh, daily life. It. Yeah. I'm going yeah. on a scooter for six weeks. <laughs> which, which is an excellent segue to <laughs> how you're not on your feet. Well, yes. And, but before I do that, I do want to tell people that as far as women's adventure boots, there really aren't any um, good ones, like really great ones. So look for 36, 37, 38, 39 euro for any of the men's boots. And those translate roughly to six and a halfs to eight and a halfs slash nines, if you're the smaller size, but that's why Christy's able to get into that CD. Uh, but TCX is my favorite brand to recommend for all women adventure riders because they do start at 36 in their, mm-hmm. yeah, like in their drifter. Men's. Yeah, and the Baja and the drifter, and they're really great boots. They're very comfortable. They're good protection. Sure. And, a, and a 10 or $12 gel or whatever insole you like tends to make a huge difference because men's feet are obviously thicker and bigger. And mm-hmm. for me, narrowing the gap height-wise between where the top of the instep is and the bottom of the sole changes a lot for me. I leave the initial uh, foot insert in there and I put the gel on top of it and things seem to fit a lot better after that. So it's not the end of the world if you go, oh God, a men's boot, really? There's nothing for me? Try it. Try it. Bring an insole with you. You can always cut those things down. It's great. You can also get bigger ones. So we'll put a link into this with some suggestions and ideas for you uh, from my short writer post, which has lots of boot and boot accessory options. So there are many choices, many ways for you to get what you need. Um, Which so. is also the dissatisfied tall rider. <laughs> I like a good boot, but can't seem to find one in the female gender. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, me too. It's you know, I finally found a yeah. boot that I love for women, and they just discontinued it. My the, trek boots. Okay. So oh. when those go away, I hope by that time they'll have come out with another one. But they, or you could just buy a new pair right now. <sighs> yeah, because I'm riding so much right now. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a really bad idea, though. But uh... at some point, they're going to discount <laughs> because they are out of, uh, you know, they won't make them anymore. Well, they are. They will go on. I just can't justify buying a brand new pair of boots that I will not wear for like five years. But my theory is that it, by the time I need another boot, there will be a better, bigger, sure. more awesome, which tends to be the case. So I'm not terribly worried. And like I said, I don't need one for a while. I, anyway. Um, if I'm lucky, we'll have warmer winter riding sometime in January <laughs> or mm-hmm. December. 
I don't know. But yes, yeah, so yes, I'm not riding because I broke my foot. I didn't break my foot because I was riding because I was walking down the stairs. So always be careful mm-hmm. of stairs. That's all. That's it. What it's happened? Very simple. I was walking down the stairs. Did you, did you double stair? No, ah, I, I just yes. missed it. I was looking up. I was looking for the bus stop. And then <gasps> I missed yeah. it. And then I missed it. And and I was wearing uh, kind of a really chunky loafer. So Ooh. the soles were not like a heel on it. It's just the whole shoe has a little bit of a platform to it. Mm-hmm. And because they were loafers, you know, they're below my ankle. Okay, so here you go. This is why you should never wear Vans while you're riding a motorcycle. This is why you need over-the-ankle footwear because there was, right, like, nothing above my ankle bone, right? So these are slip-on Van-style shoes, and my I basically rolled my ankle to the left. Um, I think I rolled my – I actually think I rolled it more forward because I broke the front of my heel bone. Which is, yeah, like when you look at a uh, the bones in your foot, there's basically two big bones. There's the heel bone and then the one in front of it. And I broke the front of the heel bone. So basically I fractured like in the middle of my foot. So I think I rolled my foot a little bit forward. And that's how I fractured that piece because it's a really weird place. And I didn't hurt my ankle. My ankles are fine. But my foot is not. So if I had a, even if I had like a, just a, one of my casual leather boots on, that I think would have uh, really minimized how much my foot rolled forward because there was nothing, there was nothing in front of it on, you know, in front of my ankle or around my ankle at all. So it just freely like I think my whole front foot pointed down. Does that make sense? While my yeah. leg was up. That's the only thing way I can think of as how I broke that part because it's such a weird place to break it, and it's really hard to break it there. But so you were out in public. How did that? I was uh, in public. Uh, how did that work? <laughs> Could you walk? I did. So when it happened, it hurt. So I sat down. Of course, I fell down. So I sat down. Oh, no. I stumbled and I fell down, but I didn't like hurt my head or anything like that. I just, I guess I fell quickly. So I sat down, I held my leg and I just sat there for like five minutes because it just hurt so much. So I sat there, I just kind of waited until I felt like I could get up and eventually I did. And these two lovely ladies I was at the medical offices building coming out of the dermatologist's office. Oh, no way. (laughs) I think they were nurses or something or medical assistants. Perfect place. They Not really because there was absolutely no emergency care there. These are just offices. So, But these ladies, they just stopped and waited with me and waited for me to get into a taxi. So at that Mm -hmm. point, I called a cab or a lift and... I did. I actually hobbled down the stairs to the stairs. How did I do that? I must have. Uh, I did. I you, walked down the stairs, actually. When you when you break bones in your foot, and I think you're not actually <laughs> disconnecting them, like, you know, in half, no, you're, no, you're still able to, yeah, you're still yeah. able to, to walk, although it hurts a whole heck of a lot, and you're not supposed to put a lot of, like, running or weight or anything yes. on it. I broke my foot years ago in Greece, and I still carried on with my backpacking trip. <laughs> Came home, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's broken. So what do I do? Well, we don't give you the boot because we only give you the boot if it's, like, you know, within the first couple of days. You're long past that. Just chill. <laughs> like, oh. well, that's anticlimactic. Right here, here, have this nice picture of your fractured bone. Okay. Well, I'll take this x-ray. I have that too. I don't have a CD drive though. So I need to like go get one, go find one at work and download them. But I did, I walked down the stair. I limped, I limped a little bit and then got into the lift, went to work and like 45 minutes later, I went to urgent care. So I sat down at work. I just, I was like, I'm gonna sit here, put some ice on it. 
And then it just got worse. So then I knew yeah. I should go. So I went to urgent care. Oh, bummer. So I have boot, but I don't know. Boot, I hope I can take it off next week when I see the ortho. So, yeah, so what's that, like three or four weeks of the boot? I've been in it for four. And okay. this appointment right. was six weeks. So mm-hmm. this is my fifth week. And by the time I see them next week, it'll be six weeks. So she said four to six. And yeah. because it was, I think, a really light fracture, it wasn't crazy, no surgery, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like shattering or like that. So sure, it's just stay off your foot. But now, um, but it's better. Like my swelling's gone down. It's all gone because my foot was just swollen so much and bruised, you know, yeah. I guess. Um, and then swelling's down. I can actually stand a little bit on it and not, not put full weight, but I can at least put my foot down and put my pants on, which <laughs> is huge because before I couldn't use my left foot to just pick my right foot up real fast to put my pants on. So I can put my pants on. And yesterday I took my first shower without sitting down mm. because before I had to sit down in the shower because I can't stand. If you hurt yourself like this, you may not have amazing insurance like I do. I mean, working at Revzillo gives us exceptional benefits and my insurance is outstanding. It only cost me $40 to go see the urgent care people. And then I saw the ortho. And here's the great thing. When I went to the urgent care, they gave me a special phone number to go into an ortho that day rather than wait. Yeah, because they wrapped my foot in some terrible foam casty thing. Mm. I'm like, I'm not wearing this more than an hour or two. So I called Mm. and they squeezed me in that afternoon because this happened in the morning. Went to see the ortho, 40 bucks copay. And then the only thing I did have to do is buy this stupid boot. But if I got on Amazon, I could have saved a hundred bucks and bought my own boot for forty-five dollars. Mm. That's it. That's all I spent for breaking my foot. And if you're cool. not as lucky, you're gonna spend ten times that, maybe. So investing in a two hundred dollar riding boot is gonna save you hundreds of dollars later just walking to the bus stop yeah right totally. and not even that i mean of course wear them all the time well i haven't worn those shoes in a month let me tell you that <laughs> i'm probably never going to wear them again but yeah I, you know as far as riding it's it's the same thing you know if you hurt yourself you're gonna have to pay for that in some way, and especially if it's severe enough, you could be paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending on the severity of your injuries. And so investing a little money in gear is going to save you in the long run too, not just, yeah, we were, you know. Over the weekend, we were just having dinner and uh, chatting with this guy sitting next to us at the bar. And he was uh, also a motorcyclist, although he didn't ride that night. And he was telling us about... Um, one of his buddies who he always hassled about wearing more gear and the guy was riding his Harley or, or some type of cruiser on the highway and a piece of sheet metal fell off the back of a car or a truck in front of him. And he was wearing Vans Converse sneaker and the sheet metal hit magically such that he almost completely severed his foot and while you'd probably oh still have God. some degree of injury because something that sharp and at that speed would have probably penetrated a boot, it might yeah. not have penetrated all the way. So he was very lucky. But, um, Jesus. yeah, that was a I, – I actually um, hit something on the way up to uh, Babe's Redout 7, which I went to for the first time, popped my Babe's cherry. What a great segue. And – Exactly. I, uh, I was on the, on the 101 at the worst possible time, a, a Friday, B Mm. fires closed down three freeways in Southern California. Um, and I think it was probably one of the last nice weekends. So I think everyone weather wise, so everyone was like scooting out and I was in the fast lane cause I was kind of moving along and I saw up ahead against the median, a um, 
one of those plastic, uh, bin covers, like the storage bins. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I kind of saw it wobble a little and I was like, uh Oh, what, what gust is going to take that thing? And so out of the corner of my eye, I see that there's this, uh, motorcycle cop. So I, I move over a little to give him some room and in the process of moving over and some other car was in front of me, the lid got kicked up into the lane and I moved right into it and the lid hit me right on the toe of the boot and bounced off. So I was very lucky that it didn't go under the tire, but nonetheless, a plastic lid hitting, and I was wearing the CD adventure Gore-Tex, um, the plastic boot hit the toe and then bounced off the, the plastic lid. And, and as I'm sitting there going, Oh, Oh God. Oh, that does not feel good. Oh God. I look in the cop, totally oblivious to any of that happening. And then I just took a hit for the team waves and goes, thanks dude. Carries on. And I'm just like, Oh God, if you had any idea. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, I was thinking of wearing slightly less aggressive boots, but when I tend to ride really long miles, I tend to over overdress for the occasion. So that was, that was, uh, my ride up. And then because of all the traffic and the Friday and the fires, which I rode through smoke of one of those, um, I rode 110 miles straight lane splitting the entire way before I pulled over to stop. And I was like, Oh, I can't believe I just did that. And then I look and then I calculate how much time it's going to take for me. I'd left it two, maybe one thirty, two o'clock. Where I think I got up there after dark in the desert. Santa Margarita. Okay. It's uh, it was different this year. Uh, in past years, it's been in uh, like Anza Borrego. And this okay. year it was outside of like a Tascadero, San oh. Luis Obispo area. Okay. Central. And yeah. And it was a nice spot, cute little town within striking distance, which is obviously different than Anza Borrego because you're kind of out there with your left to your own devices. But, um, it got, I couldn't leave early. I had to work first. So it got dark and I was kind of bummed about that because it took me two and a half hours just to get to Santa Barbara, which is usually a one mile ride for me. So, um, I was kind of (laughs) tapped, needed to take a little break and then got back on the road and got there after dark, but then you have to set up your tent and I'm just like, Oh, I am, I'm not a camping person. I don't do it often enough. (laughs) Me neither. And the last time I I opened this tent, yeah, the last time I I reached that age, I deserve it. The last time I I opened this tent was in 2017 for my 40th birthday going around Europe. So I couldn't even remember where the poles went. And so I've got like my headlight on the, on the triumph trying to figure out, like I put this thing together, freaking out, thinking I'm missing poles. It was a, it was a humorous disaster. And, um, God, man, I've, 40, 40 something degrees, uh, that night, 38, I think it got to. And, um, any, any skin that was showing (laughs) was like very cold. And I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a a good because I'm, I'm with my girls. I get to spend some quality time. I don't think the four of us, uh, uh, Robin, um, Jenny Smith and Julie and I had ever even ridden together all four of us. So that was nice. But I have to say that just oh, camping, it's its special. It's for people who like it. I might not be one of those. I'm used to uh, hotels and whatnot. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a motel hotel girl. I'm not a camper yeah. anymore. I used to. I mean, I, I did, and I, I liked it. Like our first MotoGP outing on bikes, we camped. Actually, we corner worked. It was the first and last time I ever corner worked and uh at Laguna Seca and it was an amazing experience and camping was actually kind of fun but not something I take great joy in mm-hmm. and and I and I did a few more times after that but now I'm just like I don't you know I'm just not it's just not my thing and I get why people like it though and I I grew up camping so mm-hmm. every summer and sometimes fall my parents would take us for a week we would go like 10 days camping and in like Yosemite or in the Sequoia National Forest and the full on like big ass tent, mom would cook everything and it was fun and I loved it and I do enjoy it, but so much work. 
It's so much yeah. work and cleanup and packing and I'm just Although I can say in the context room. in the context <laughs> of the European trip having to spend like uh, 80 to 120 euro a night at a hotel. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of nights where I went camping and the weather was nice. So it wasn't 40 degrees by any stretch. And, oh, nice. you know, you're, you're camping off your motorcycle of which you've brought all your gear, uh, what little you did take from the U S so you're, you're packing light. And so that was nice. There wasn't a lot of load time or anything like that. So, so there is context to camping. There are times when you're like, okay, yeah, I can deal with the fact I'm not spending a hundred euro on a hotel tonight. And I am more than happy to park right next to this beautiful cliff face. Like, you know, it, it was the equivalent in Switzerland to being underneath like Half Dome or, or El Cap. It was really nice. So th there are fond memories of camping. <laughs> and then there are the, why did I like to do this? <laughs> Why did I? Because why did I choose? Adventure to... goddess. That's why. Yeah. Or adventure you goddess takes fewer adventures. Are you were the adventure goddess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slightly retired adventure goddess taking new adventures now. Um, I think the one thing I didn't talk about the last time, uh, well, since it's been like probably a year and a half, um, I did the last like great adventure, if you will, that that I went on was with Jeff when we went to Sumatra on scooters. Oh. And that was uh, that was Christie's great idea of beautiful beaches and uh, white beaches with coconut palms and hammocks, which turned out to be uh, water you couldn't actually access because all those white beaches meant that there was a reef and and stone and and unforgiving things very close to shore so you could never actually get in the water and uh it was very interesting riding um kind of like kamikaze if you're going through some of the major towns like we went from uh jakarta in java mm -hmm. towards uh, the north so that we could catch a ferry to the island of sumatra and Ooh. that ride was uh was insane and that was Jeff's first run on one of my crazy unplanned vacations and man if he didn't do fabulously and I think part of that is because he raced uh dirt bikes when he was a kid mm -hmm. I think anyone who has raced whether it be street or dirt has this ability to not freak out when they have someone very peripherally close to them. Whereas the oh, rest of us yeah. who learn to ride on street, who like to keep their distance and yeah. comfort zone away from people are a little bit less well adjusted to that experience. And so he managed it great. And I was totally happy. <laughs> I'm like, this might actually work. Yay. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting trip and, uh, we were pretty happy once we, we booked our flight to Bali, um, to relax and kind of unwind. But, um, yeah, that was the last big adventure this year. We went to Belize for a week for my birthday and the island that we were on no motorized vehicles. So Christy, mm. uh, gave up her two wheel scooter and motorcycle for a beach cruiser. Well, and, uh, and a, and a daily drink <laughs> and Much a lot of time relaxing. in the, yeah, a lot of time in the ocean, uh, doing some snorkeling and hanging out with some sea turtles. So I can't complain. That sounds, it was awesome. I saw your photos. It looked fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that was like Hawaii for us. I miss Hawaii. Maybe next year. Relatively inexpensive <laughs> tropical vacation. Belize's and uh, I should nice. say that um, not knowing the history of Belize which if you know me well enough I don't do a ton of research on the place that I'm going I just kind of pick a few points and target it we stayed on an island that was three miles long and relatively quiet post uh, summer season so that was nice but um, Belize uh, was a British colony until 1981. So mm -hmm. when you arrive and everyone's speaking English and you're kind of scratching your head going, is this like in the middle of Latin America? Why are they speaking English? Then you know. Interesting. <laughs> I totally was thinking I was going to be speaking Spanish on that trip, but no, it was English, a version of Creole, and uh, Spanish as far as the hierarchy of languages. 
So never had to worry about anything as far as a conversation. And lobster was like $12. Can't complain. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. How was, uh, so how was Babies Right Out? How was that for you? It was, it was good. It was really more of a a social thing for me Mm -hmm. because I hadn't, um, Julia, uh, LaPalm, who's a freelance motorcyclist, uh, motor, well, freelance journalist in the motorcycle and car industry, and Jenny Smith, who is the managing editor at Rider Magazine, and I had spent some time doing girls' nights and hanging out and doing stuff at the house over the summer. But uh, Robin, um, our, our fourth, was uh, oh, working Coco? for MotoQuest. Yes, Rocco. Oh, Rocco, <laughs> she's so cute. She, um, she was working in Alaska at MotoQuest, so we missed her for a good, you know, four to six. And so Babes Right Out was our kind of reunion, the four of us. Aww. So that was uh, that was pretty nifty. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of the four of us going out and on rides in the morning on Saturday. We woke up. It was way too, uh, not early, but too early to ride based on my gear, which was not heated nor is nor are my grips on the triumph for 40 degree weather and the the fact that it got to 40 wasn't so bad but the fact that it was a slow progression from 40 to something more comfortable to ride in was a little bit of a an adjustment and so we made it as far as starbucks to have some breakfast waited for it to get a little warmer and then jumped on the road and went as far as big sur so that was nice the the way back was uneventful for me, which was nice because I was really nervous for some reason about this ride. I have not ridden a lot in the last year and a half since we've recorded. Um, Just a general malaise, lack of motivation to do much of anything, to be honest. And uh, I was a little bothered about just jumping on the bike and doing a long trip. And so on the way home, um, I I took off and, and left early and and arrived home. And later on, uh, Jenny had called me and said, Hey, um, Julia got into an accident. I'm going to go see her at the hospital. She's, she's in Ventura or Camarillo closer to where Jenny lives. And, um, so she turned out to be okay. Uh, if you want to read up more, it's, uh, Julia LaPalm, L-A-P-A-L-M-E, uh, at Julia LaPalm on Instagram. Um, she, was fully geared. She had, uh, yeah, she had, I think it was a triumph jacket. Um, she had the climb, uh, climb modular helmet. She had ugly bros jeans. Yeah. Wow. I can't remember her footwear, but, um, a, a guy in a truck basically pulled out right around Ojai. Uh, just pulled out and she, and he didn't even bother looking young kid and uh, she she T-boned this truck and left a nice big dent. But, um, what I didn't know when Jenny first called me is that it turned out to be just a pretty gnarly concussion. She got a a good cut on the underside of her chin from the helmet and she, uh, got a a cut, an abrasion, uh, that I think required stitches on her knee. And the funny thing was, is we were oh, just talking. Oh, why is her face? What happened? It was the, it was hitting the inside of the helmet. Oh. So miraculously for someone who on a Triumph street triple, which was totaled and the fence, the, the forks were broken. No, um, she was on a Bonnie. Oh, is it a Bonnie or, or a street? A oh, no, no, I'm sorry. A, a street, a street twin. Sorry. I oh, said triple. a street twin? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the newer versions. It looks like it. Yes. A street twin. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the ability for her to essentially walk away with two sets of stitches and a concussion was pretty impressive. Although concussions are nothing to, uh, trifle with because they're, you know, brain is a pretty serious and complicated organ, which no one has quite figured out yet. And, uh, the amount of uh, downtime you can have with a concussion could be 30 to 40 to 60 days. So um, everyone's body's different. But she managed to walk away relatively unscathed. And yeah. um, earlier that day, we were talking about jeans because I was wearing the the Alpine Stars Riley. And 
that's the black one, right? Uh, yeah, they make black in most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the Riley. And um, she was like, how are those? And I was like, well, I really like it because the actual knee part is uh, is generally kind of wide and it actually manages to work with my excessively long femurs because most of the knee guards yeah. in, je- in jeans yeah. uh, are, are above my knee when I sit down. And so I they think are. that the fit on her with those jeans was maybe somewhat questionable, which is why she was asking. And so I think that's what happened. The puck might have moved, and that's when she might have gotten a little bit of a scrape. Maybe. Um, I would still love to see you upgrade your jeans too, out of denim to like one of the more synthetics like Cordura denim or Dyna, uh, not Dynatech. Well, yeah, Scholar if you can, but Do you Dynema. have some recommendations? Always. I would love to see you in some rocker jeans. Actually, for your fit type, I would actually recommend Revit jeans for you because fit-wise, you although they wouldn't go over your adventure boots. So with jeans, do those go over your boots? No, they go inside. In, perfect. These would go inside too. Uh, they're only two twenty-five to fifty. Um, they're Cordura denim Revit jeans, the Moto Revit Moto jeans for women, and they're really comfortable. They have nice long legs for you, but they have a little more room in the hips and the seat mm-hmm. for you. Like I think they'd fit you really well. And yeah, Revit Revit has always done a, a good job in in. Yeah hitting both regular and long sizes because women are tall in Europe. <laughs> they do. I mean, the jeans do have a fixed 32. However, that 32 is only to your ankle, which in the boot shouldn't matter anyways. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look nearly as bad. I'd say a 32 no. where the boot, where it's outside of the boot would probably ride up quite a bit when I was sitting down. But yeah, those, those are my favorite. I can fit well, so many. I'm always in the jeans. market for some new stuff. Yes, I would love to see you in those. I would love to see you in in rocker, but rocker jeans are so tight across the hips, and I need to see what their new jeans are like. So I just need to get figure out the fitment on those. But generally, they've just been very slim, uh, like just across the hips, and I think that would be challenging for you by the time you sized up, I think. Yeah. But I would recommend those rubber jeans for you. They're fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the photos of her stuff and I mean, that's, it's awesome. I, I will say this, however, looking at her photos, the reason why I don't wear riding jeans on trips and distance, I wear them, I will wear them around town. I'll like, I'll do a 15 minute commute. I'll do, you know, I'll do a short riding, but if I'm going to be on the highway and I'm going to be doing some distance, the reason I don't choose jeans is because specifically because of how these jeans performed uh, and they did do their job. And I'm not saying that jeans won't do their job, but the level at which a jean can do its job is where you would want to pick your comfort level. And for me, my comfort level is not there with how a jean can perform because I want it to perform better. I'm not saying it didn't perform well. I'm just saying on the scale of good, better, best, I want it at the best. And so, a gene, and in my opinion, gene is definitely it's at the good level and it's at the better. But mm-hmm. best is where leather for me hits that gotcha. expectation. And that's where with jeans, when you're choosing them, you want to think about what your personal level of expectation is. Because it may not hit your may not hit your expectations. And we should also say, when using the word jean or denim, we're talking about Kevlar reinforced, or just something um, motorcycle specific, like these yeah, ugly exactly, bros, like the Alpine Stars. So there's motorcycle activities built into it, not just a style mark. Yeah, it's it's not off the shelf at uh, Nordstrom. Right. So when you're evaluating a motorcycle riding gene, that's the kind of, I'd say that's where you may not want to wear one, but I wouldn't tell someone not to wear one 
it would just depend on what your application, what you're going to do with it. It's yeah. like encouraging you to wear mesh at a track day. I'm not going to encourage <laughs> you to do that because depending on the kind of track day, it may not be appropriate. But there yeah. are some track days where you can. So it just depends on what you're doing. But hers definitely did. I like her T-shirt that she yeah. was wearing. That was, uh, if I believe so, Hinterland. Hinterland <laughs> Empire. That's so cute. Well, yeah, she's that's okay. uh, at Hinterland on Instagram. That's a women-run uh, motorcycle-themed uh, um T-shirt and, oh. and clothing, uh, a casual clothing company in California. Um, kind of segueing from accident to uh, some interesting stats that I found. Oh, yes. On okay. uh, the, the national, I think it's National Highway, Highway Transportation Safety. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Administration. It's a lot. It's NHTSA. A lot. NHT. Yeah, thank you. Um, of course, it, it takes a, a little bit of time to assemble stats. So there are two years back. So this was released. It's just a quick fact sheet, which is always nice when you don't have the time before coffee to read through exhausting mm -hmm. statistics. Mm -hmm. um, 2017 data, and it was released in August of 2019. And, you know, there's a lot of crash uh Slight decrease in the amount of motorcyclists killed, sorry to get dark here, uh, between 2016 and 2017. But the thing that really uh, I focused in on here was a couple of specific statistics. 29% of motorcycle riders involved in fatal crashes were riding without valid licenses. That's mm -hmm. kind of an alarming thing to me. Mm -hmm. As well, um, Let's see. Uh, the majority of some of these other statistics, 43% of motorcycle riders who died in single vehicle crashes. So if I'm not mistaken, single vehicle crash means your vehicle if you're the one that's in an accident. There mm -hmm. are no other vehicles involved. 43% mm -hmm. of the riders who died in 2017 were alcohol impaired. Mm-hmm. Motorcycle riders killed in traffic crashes at night were three times more frequently alcohol impaired than those killed during the day. Um, There's some helmet stats, of course. Uh, NHTSA estimates that helmets saved 1,872 motorcyclist lives in 2017 and that 749 more lives could have been saved if all motorcyclists had worn helmets. In states without universal helmet laws, 57% motorcyclists killed in 2017 were not wearing helmets as compared to eight in states with universal helmet laws. So those were common sense dictates. kind of alarming. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the, it's the freedom thing. Uh, freedom to choose. Yeah, freedom I, to die. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, really. I, I, right. I understand I understand the freedom aspect of it, but mm -hmm. I also understand that I really like motorcycling and some days I don't trust myself. Those are the days I usually opt to not get on a bike. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, you just can't trust everyone around you that they're paying attention, especially now with iPhones and texting and mm -hmm. other distractions. Mm -hmm. and Like your car has Wi-Fi? Come on. <laughs> a, long, a long list of things uh, to distract us. And so you need to be prepared. How do you best arm yourself? Well, you know, you, you update your schooling. You take some classes. You make sure you're up on your riding game. Yep. Um, and you're not drinking you try to gear... Uh, yeah, yeah. That was more surprising to me that such a high percentage of people um, were killed and alcohol impaired. Well, I mean, doesn't that translate to cars? Like, I know drinking and driving for the longest time was the main killer, right, in traffic accidents. And I think that's yeah. changed, though. Um, but a couple of uh, stats for me that stood out was that... Well, not stood out, but just interesting. Um, so it looks like in 2017, there was a decrease of 3% of motorcyclists killed in 2016. So there is a decrease. There's a general decline, which is good, of fatality, fatalities on motorcycles. That's great. However, um, two-wheeled motorcycles account for 91% of all motorcycles in fatal crashes. So your two-wheeled motorcycle owners are 
well, there's more of us than three-wheeled, right? Um, that was a weird stat. It's a weird stat, right? Well, because now there's three-wheeled bikes, and yeah. that's probably entering into the mix. 41, let's see, motorcycles accounted for 14% of all traffic fatalities and 17% of all occupant, in parentheses, driver and passenger fatalities. Interesting. The other thing that I found fascinating, oh, by the way, 6% of fatalities are passengers. So passengers, you're, you, you're at risk too. Um, did you see the table of age? Like based on age, the risk rate, the rates of uh, fatalities by age group. Um, so I think this also falls in line with car, um, I think, insurance and risk rates under 30 and over 50. <laughs> so if you're under 30, you're in the highest risk group for fatalities. If you're over 50, you're also in the highest group. They're very close yeah. to each other, um, uh -huh. these numbers. There's actually two tables. If you go to page four, see how there's two tables? Yeah. Why are there two tables? Hmm. Oh, 2017 versus 2008. Uh, so it's a year. see that? Oh. It's the blue, the blue horizontal. <gasps> oh, kind of okay. blends in. got it. So it's gone up. Oh, that's interesting. So... From 08 to 17, the fatality rates for under 30 have gone down. They've gone down like 10% or something, but they've gone but up for 50 and over. over 50. Oh, yeah, when you're over 50, you know, just things get more dangerous. To me, that speaks to the volume maybe of returning riders and I think older riders who might be too proud to start on something small mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, I'm going to start on a 350 or I'm going to start on a 300 because I don't know what I'm doing versus, yeah, I'm 50, I'm 60, I don't need a little bike or I used to ride a little bike 40 years ago. I'm going to buy this 1800cc 200 horsepower turbocharged H2 because... I don't need to learn how to ride anymore, and that can be mm. so dangerous. You know, uh, the next table, or Let's the see. next page, rather, motorcyclist fatalities by engine size. Yes, I saw that too, and I highlighted that the bigger the bike, the higher the chance of your fatality, of fatality rates Although, are Although, actually, actually, there's a, a kind of a sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better turn of phrase, um, for, for, for the percentage on engine displacement, it's between 1000 and 1500 cc's. It's, uh, in 2008, the, uh, percentage of uh, motorcycle fatalities was 33% on uh, engine displacement between 1000 and 1500. And that dropped to 26% in 2017. The, uh, rest of the percentages, um, 2017, there is an increase in the 1500 cc and up category. It went from 11 to 22 percent. That's a hundred percent. Well, jump. that's uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and on the up to 500 cc, five uh, percent in 2008, seven percent in 2017. So whether these are new riders or seasoned riders, you know, you're. Hmm. I suppose your your odds are better if you ride smaller, but you can also argue that getting out of the way is uh, also part of an issue if you're riding a, a 500 and lower displacement if you're yeah. in faster moving traffic. I don't know. I know. I know there are all kinds of factors like, you know, the numbers will go up if there's the number of riders are going up. There's going to be more crashes because mm -hmm. there's yeah. more people. And I get that. But man, these trends speak loudly. Drinking and driving, you know, riding bikes that are beyond your experience level, you know, not wearing a helmet. I mean, these are common sense things that we know that are that contribute to your risk and we hope that you're doing everything you can to minimize that for yourself and your loved ones. The uh -huh. last part of this report is licensing, right? And you touched on that. You said, I, what I saw was that, let's see, 
uh, 29% of motorcycle riders involved in fatals in 2017 were riding without valid licenses at the time of collision, while only 13% of passenger vehicle drivers did not have valid licenses. Interesting. There's lots of good stuff. If if we kept going, uh, which we won't, because at some point I have to get to work, and at oh, some point Joanne has to en- Joanne has I to mean, enjoy her day off. I, I'll enjoy um, my day off. There's also a map of uh, percent known unhelmeted motorcyclists killed by state in 2017. So all the percentages affect motorcycle deaths where the rider did not have a helmet. California is eight percent. Mm. Um, yeah. because there is a helmet law. Uh, I'm not familiar with all the non-helmet law states. I know there are quite a few in the north central portion of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of that region varies between 61 and 75% of uh, motorcycle deaths with uh, without a helmet. Again, it's a statistic. Is it... Fully accurate, because if they would have been wearing a helmet, they would have survived. Not necessarily, but it's definitely something to look at in terms of evaluating, well, if I have a choice today, should I wear a helmet or should I not? Oh, well, good luck to you, friends on the road. I hope you we, we hope you are geared up and sober and having a good time. We thank you for coming back. Maybe we'll come back again. We don't know. But we hope yeah, that you know there's this thing called ICMA with a bunch of new toys on the market starts and today. And let's face it, we're good at this. We're awesome, <laughs> you know. And Definitely better early in the morning, as bizarre as that sounds. No, I get it. I get it. You're a morning person. I get it. Yeah, I sharper. Wish I, were. I wish I were. And I, I would agree. I'm sharper in the morning. Like definitely not tired from a whole day, so I mm. feel better about it. I agree. Totally there with you. I'm going to have weekday mornings off in the foreseeable future, so this should be pretty doable. Cool. All right, darling. So thank you for joining us. We I don't know when we'll come back, but we'll come back at some point, I think, maybe. Sure. In the meantime, you can track us down on the interwebs just as before. I don't know how much you're tweeting these days. But not Christy, a lot. <laughs> well, maybe she'll tweet some more after this. ADV Goddess mm-hmm. on Twitter. You can find us still on the Motorific page and Facebook. I'm Gear Chick Everywhere. You can also find Christy as Christy Farrell on Facebook. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>